Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Welcome to Three Arch Bay in South Laguna, California. It is sunset and 70 degrees. The surf break right now is secluded and perfect. That rock right behind me is where I told my wife I loved her for the very first time. I know, so adorable. I've been called the most romantic pastor of my time. At least that's what I'm known as around my house, self-proclaimed by myself, but it's not about me, guys. It's about God. Anyways, in my opinion, this place is the closest thing to heaven this side of eternity. Revelation chapter 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. So I used to have a fear. There's a technical name for it. It's called aronophobia, and it's actually the fear of heaven. And it sort of comes from this idea that one day when I die, I will spend the rest of forever as a chubby baby wearing holy huggies, sitting on top of a white fluffy cloud with my harp, singing hymns and singing, how great is our God for the next 20 trillion years. And I love that song and I love Jesus, but to me, that does not sound like heaven. That sounds a little bit more like the other place. And so thank you, God, that that's not the biblical picture of eternity. Because remember, Jesus did not say, I'm making all new things. He said, I am making all things new. The new earth, the new heavens. One understanding of that is that the new heavens will be this sky, but made new. And the new earth will be this earth, but made new. I've never been there, but I've got a hunch it's going to look and sound and taste and feel and smell a lot more familiar than we think. So C.S. Lewis once said that historically, the Christians who have been the most effective in this life are precisely the same Christians who have thought the most about the next one. I think he might be onto something. I've also noticed the most peaceful and passionate and contagious and courageous and content followers of Jesus are precisely those followers of Jesus who have an eternal perspective. So I try to think about eternity a lot. I try to think about new earth a lot. And when I do, I always picture this place us with God in His beautiful creation made new. Where, catch this, there is no more relational strife and there is no jealousy or comparison. There is, there is nobody competing for attention or auditioning to belong. 
You are completely known in every way and yet unconditionally loved at the exact same time. There's no empty void within you. All you feel is completion in every moment. And there's mountains and there's hiking and there's oceans and beaches and surfing and sunsets and stars and great friendship and good food and storytelling and fun and jobs and passion and callings and fullness. Just life with God in paradise. And catch this church, it's real. It's completely real. So you have to hear me say this. Heaven is not just some coping mechanism to help us, to help us deal with losing loved ones, nor is it this ethereal, eternal crutch that makes us feel better about how fleeting and fast and fragile life is. It is something so much more real than that. The story of this incredible, amazing Savior God who so loved the world that He left everything to make a way for you so that you could be in heaven with Him, experiencing all things new. Man, we have no idea what we stand on the brink of. It is more than we could ever comprehend or even begin to fathom. And so hear me say this, yes, life is hard and life is painful. In fact, Jesus didn't shy away from that. He actually promised it would be. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But He also said, take heart for I have overcome this world. See, our God has conquered death, which means to live is Christ and to die truly is gain, which means you have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to. And that is the freedom that I want you to feel and experience today because this place, as beautiful as it is, is only a taste of what's to come, which means that we don't have to. No, 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 we get to. We get to live in holy anticipation of what is waiting for us in eternity. And so from, from Three Arch Bay in South Laguna, this is an eternal perspective from my vantage. Hey, come on, make some noise if you love Jesus, Red Rocks Church. Woo! And keep that going. Help me say hello to everybody watching this, all of our Denver locations, Austin, Texas, everybody watching online in countries and cities and continents all over the world, our three God Behind Bars locations. And then let's give an extra special welcome to the Red Rockers on the other side of the world in Brussels, Belgium. We love you so much. And I see those new t-shirts you guys have been wearing. Pastor Jack, what do I gotta do to get my hands on one of those? You just let me know. You guys feel good? You love Jesus? You happy to be alive? Hey, me too. Okay, help me finish this sentence. We exist to make heaven more. There we go. Well, today we are gonna talk about the heaven that we are crowding. Because the truth is, you never actually die. Oh, your body is temporary, but your soul is eternal. And technically every human being is immortal. All of us are going to live somewhere for eternity. And so in, in a good Red Rocks fashion and style, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, Yolof. Yolof, neighbor, you only live once forever, Yolof. And you may take a seat. 
We're gonna ask and answer the question, what does it look like to live today with forever in mind? Does that sound like a plan? All right, and we're gonna start by way of visual aid. This rope, I want you to pretend that this rope is a timeline of your existence. So it just goes on forever and ever and ever. And now this red part right here represents your time on this planet. You get a few short years here and then the rest of forever somewhere else. And so let's make this personal for me. June 20th, 1988, I am born. Welcome to the planet, Doug Weckerman. That's right there. And then right about here, I get my tonsils out. And then I guess this is where I won the spelling bee in third grade. It's not a big deal. Okay, it's not. Um, and then in sixth grade, this is where Ashley Breen broke my heart for the very first time. And then I guess towards the end of college, I meet Jesus right about here. And then a year after that, meet my beautiful wife and... That's also the day she fell in love with me, same day. And then I guess this would be the year I wrote her 365 letters. I wrote her every day for a year, church. It wasn't over. It still isn't over. And then right here is where I kissed her by the dock by the lake in the pouring rainstorm behind the house I built for her with my bare hands. Was that somebody else? Irrelevant. It's erroneous. And then I guess right here is where I'm preaching this message and then... Let's say I live to be 85. That'd be awesome, right? And so right around this area, I start playing golf a lot more frequently. And then, and then we all got to die. So let's say uh, I'm still like super healthy by the grace of God at 85. And I go surfing one morning and a shark kills me. And I'm dead serious, pun intended. And I make the transition from this life into heaven forever. So let me make this personal. Why is it that all you think about is this red part right here? Why is it those lyrics to that Kenny Chesney song are so true? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go now. And I, uh, hey, I didn't even need that applause, but thank you so much. I'm telling you guys, if we knew what was waiting for us in eternity, we would want to go. I'm telling you that. And we would live today with forever in mind. Because what the Bible teaches us is this life right here, this red tape part, is, is a mist in a, on a hot summer day in Austin. This life is here today, gone tomorrow. This is morning dew on the grass in Denver that is here in the morning and gone before lunch. Life is so fast, you guys. Like, I guarantee every single person watching this, sometime in the last month, all of us have thought this. I can't believe I'm this old. Whether you're nine or 90, can't believe I'm nine already. This life is so fast and fragile and fleeting. But according to Jesus, this life right here is the farthest thing from insignificant. That according to Jesus, what I believe here and what I do with my life here and the ways I forgive and the way I give and the people I love and the people I serve here affects all of this for the rest of forever. Maximus Aurelius said something similar, didn't he? What I do now echoes into eternity. Francis Chan is the GOAT eternal perspective preacher. 
I got this rope illustration from him, and he often says, people criticize me for going overboard in thinking about my first 10 billion years in eternity. And his response is, in my opinion, people go overboard thinking about their last 10 years in this life. What did C.S. Lewis say? Those who are most effective here are precisely the same Christians who think the most about all of this. Living today with forever in mind. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. Are you looking forward to heaven? Because it's my sincere prayer that by the end of this service today, you will be. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Somebody say new earth, where righteousness dwells. And so for week two of Vantage Point, I wanna call this message an eternal perspective. So let's pray for that, and then we'll get going. Jesus, we pray for an eternal perspective. Amen. That was spiritual enough, I promise. Anybody have a bucket list? Any bucket listers out there? Okay, my people, I have a bucket list also. I like this. You guys, there's stuff I wanna do in this life, okay? Places I wanna go, people I want to meet, okay? I love the idea of a bucket list. So let me tell you just a few things. Number one, exhibit A, I wanna go to the masters one day, you guys. Specifically, the masters on a Sunday. If it's ever Sunday and I'm not in church, don't cry for me. Don't even pray for me, save your prayers, pray for somebody else, I'm doing better than I've ever been, okay? <laughs> True story, I would rather go to the master's for one Sunday than be given an honorary master's degree. Is that irresponsible? Don't care. Next item on the agenda, I wanna surf cloud break in Fiji, okay? So true story, I almost did that with a couple of my friends. We were there until one of the locals who was driving the boat asked us this question, I'm not kidding. He said, hey, when you guys surf, do you ever mess up? And I said, what do you mean? He said, do you ever fall? I said, well, yeah. He goes, oh, you can't fall. I said, why? With a straight face, he says, you die. <laughs> and I realized, oh, this isn't Laguna, cute little four-foot wave, that monster is 25 feet high, and the coral reef is three feet beneath the surface of the water. If you surf this wave, you will die. Apparently, this is not one of those get-out-of-the-boat moments that Jesus was talking about, okay? <laughs> I know, Christians, we love those Bible jokes. And this was one of the first mature decisions I ever made in my life, was not surfing that. What we did do, however, was cage dive with great white sharks just about a month after that. Now, statistically, the two greatest fears that human beings have is public speaking and sharks. So either everybody else is delusional or it's just me because I'll public speak to sharks any day. Oh, church, I'm fearless. As long as there's not a spider within 50 feet of me, I am absolutely fearless. Let's go to the next one. I want to own that beach house right there. It's just a modest three bedroom, decent location, and I am absolutely leveraging this platform to make a connection. If anybody has a connection to help me out with this, please email me because I'm realizing if I ever own that, it's gonna be a God thing, not a save up and buy this kind of thing, okay? 
Just so we're all clear, any house on the cliffs overlooking the ocean's fine. I'm not picky. I just, you guys, I have a bucket list. There's things I want to do in this life. I want to take my wife, Sam, to Milford Sound in New Zealand and, and go see where they film Lord of the Rings. I want to go to Scotland and write a sermon in the same coffee shop that J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter in, right? I want to go to our campus in Brussels and meet the Red Rockers on the other side of the world and get one of those t-shirts, okay? I want to do, I want to do a, a midnight hide-and-go-seek in Ikea one night. So if anybody can set that up, email me for that as well. I want to do the perfect cartwheel, like Creed from The Office says. And if you know me, if you've seen me do a cartwheel, that's probably the most far-fetched thing on my list, okay? I want to go to Iceland and see the northern lights. I want to go scuba dive in the Great Barrier Reef. There's things I want to do. There's places I want to go, people I want to meet. There is life I want to live, but there's just so little time. Or is there? That's my question. Or is there? What's heaven going to be like? Let's talk about what heaven's gonna be like. If you have your, your color-coordinated diary or your journal, get that out, the note app on your phone, because we're about to do seven minutes of theology about heaven. Seven minutes in heaven, Conrad. Scripturally speaking, get your head out of the gutter, okay? And I think you guys are gonna like this. So here we go. First things first, erase everything you think you know about eternity. Because most of what we believe, can we be honest, is based on assumptions or cliches we say, or ethereal paintings we've seen, or ambiguous poetry we were forced to read in high school, or the Looney Tunes. And most of it is wrong. Biblically, it is so much better. So here we go, seven minutes Starts right now. Back to the beginning. Genesis 1.1 says this. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Now notice, he does that by speaking. So he makes the heavens and the earth with his word, right? And with his word, he calls it good. But then sin happens. And this is the era we live in. And it's referred to as the current earth and the current heaven or the present heaven and present earth. And both of them need to be made new. Second Peter chapter three, verse seven, by that same word, here it is, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, a lot of scary words in this verse, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But notice, not total destruction. Fire speaks to refinement by the destruction only of everything that is ungodly. The entire Bible is a story of redemption, not of a people after God, but of a God who is after his people. And this is his promise. A few verses later in 2 Peter 3.13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. Here's that same verse again. Looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So this is the, the kingdom in its fullness, which is marked by three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. So notice something. This is not evacuation theology, where Jesus blows the whole thing up and just starts over. It's the end of the world as we, as we what? As we know it. That's actually not entirely true. Remember, he's not making all new things. He's making all things new. 
Now, why is that important? It's important because if God decided just to blow it all up and make all new things, then technically speaking, that means Satan wins round one. As if God's in heaven going, well, it was awesome (laughs) until that sneaky serpent. So you know what? Scrap that, blow it up. Let's try this thing again. This time, no apples and no snakes. But church, this is not, this is not God and Satan sparring in the celestials, right? Somewhere having a divine duel in, a, in a, a, a crazy big octagon while we're just hoping and praying that our God wins this. No, the battle has already been won and the lamb has overcome. This is reality. Even the most fantastical imagination on this planet, even for that person, it is impossible to make Satan and all of his petty, all of his petty powers small enough when standing next to the glory and magnificence and majesty of our God. You guys, he will not be bested. He called his original creation good. And when Jesus returns one day and at the resurrection of the dead, by fire through a process called refinement and the destruction of everything that's ungodly, make no mistake, he will redeem and restore his creation once and for all. God won, the devil none, and if that don't get you fired up to make heaven more crowded, I don't know what will. Give me three more minutes of theology. Here we go. So what happens to our lost loved ones in the meantime? They are with the presence of God in the current heaven only until the new earth and the new heaven That's why Jesus can say to the thief on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So there's something coming, but make no mistake, there is also something today. Dr. Randy Alcorn says this in his brilliant book called Heaven. The present heaven is a temporary residence where the departed saints live until the return of Christ and our bodily resurrection. The eternal heaven and new earth, once again, somebody say new earth. earth. That is our true home. And when that day comes, we will also get new physical resurrected bodies, which is gonna be awesome. Second Corinthians 5.3, we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So that's fantastic news. Apparently, you're not gonna be some floating spiritual orb bumping into other floating spiritual orbs for the rest of forever. And more good news, you're also not gonna be a a chubby baby in holy huggies playing a harp on a white fluffy cloud singing hymns for the next 10 trillion years. And you wanna know how I know that? It's because of Jesus. Because we have somebody on record. We have a man who walked his bad self out of the grave he borrowed with his resurrected body and hung out with 500 eyewitnesses for 40 days. And we will receive what he has. Philippians 3.21, our citizenship is not in heaven. And we eagerly, I love that, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies. So just look at me and picture lowly body. (laughs) so that they will be like his glorious body. After his resurrection, Jesus had bones. Jesus had skin. Jesus could touch. He could feel. He gave Mary Magdalene a hug. 
He walked through a wall. I mean, that's some Dr. Strange stuff going on there. Very supernatural, but notice, still very physical and natural at the same time. Alcorn says, everything you love about your body now will be restored to you, except this time there will be no death and there will be no decay. So that receding hairline, bam, gone. And no more acne and no more wrinkles and no more cancer and no more, no more migraines or sore muscles. No more checkups at the dentist because cavities do not exist in heaven. And that's speculation, but I'm confident enough to say it. Imagine, imagine being completely in love with being uniquely yourself on a new earth that looks and tastes and smells and sounds and feels a lot more familiar than we think. Oh, there will be hiking and, and swimming and there will be laughing and running and maybe most important, there will be eating on new earth. Exhibit A, Jesus cooks breakfast on the beach in John 21 for his best friends, and he does so in his resurrected body. And that is such good news. We have to get out of our heads that the physical and spiritual cannot be one and the same. Matthew 8, 11 says this, I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Keep going, Isaiah 25, 6, might be my next tattoo. Uh, This is my new favorite verse. In Jerusalem, that's the new Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread out a wonderful feast, amen, for people all over the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine. Don't worry, that's just for the antioxidants. <laughs> and choice, what's that word? Meat. Choice meat. <laughs> Amen. You guys, we have a good God. We have a party throwing God who wants his table full. That much like a divine Danny Tanner, <laughs> he wants a full house. And this is what we are looking forward to, church. Go read it this week at your homework. That Revelation 21 and 22 is a purpose-driven parallel from Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two of a current earth and a current heaven becoming a new earth and a new heaven. And it's for that reason that you don't actually have to finish that bucket list this side of eternity. I mean, if you think hiking a 14 is awesome now, You just wait until you do that with resurrected legs and the mountains are more majestic and there's colors you ain't even seen before. But for real, I think that's why I wanted to show you my vantage point from what I think is the prettiest place on this planet in Three Arch Beach. Because if you think the ocean is powerful now, if you think the starry night sky is majestic now, if you think sunsets are pretty now, if you love listening to music or reading a good book now, if you love laughing now and storytelling now, if you, like, if you like good drink and good food with good friends now, man, you just wait until you and everybody else around you has a renewed mind and a completed spirit and a resurrected body where insecurity is a memory and nobody's auditioning to belong. Nobody's competing for attention. There's no comparison. Nobody's worried about tomorrow or somewhere else in their mind. Everybody's just present and whole and with fullness and completion and it's paradise and God is there and it's real. It's real. This is not, this is not a children's book. It's so real. And my hope with this message is that any, any of you listening who 
have lost a loved one recently would find, I mean, not total peace, I understand, but a lot of peace from talking about this. Because we all fear when we choose to think about the unknown one day. Even as Christians, I mean, I'm a pretty faith-filled person. But even when I start thinking about, oh man, what'll it be like and start fearing leaving behind a, a wife and kids, you know? And I wonder where, where exactly my loved ones are when I miss them. And I get anxious, especially when I don't have the right view of what's coming. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing your praise than when we first begun. And I sing that and I go, oh my gosh, that's, that's so much singing. <laughs> that's like a lot, that's a long time just to sing. Seriously, like makes me anxious, right? And if it's, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So I, I pray about it and in my prayers, God just always takes me to that beach and reminds me even the best day in the most beautiful place, this side of eternity, oh, it pales in comparison to the most ordinary day in the rest of forever. I mean, imagine just the fullness of it. We all know places like that where it just feels like the veil between earth and heaven is thin, but it's still there. It's still like there's supposed to be a fullness that I can't quite experience in its entirety. And the Bible teaches there's coming a day where that, that veil will be no more. And that fullness you're hoping you receive from this is, I mean, it's yours. God's saying, and I'll be with you. I'll be your God. And I'll wipe every tear from your eyes and every tear from your daughter's eyes. Imagine being fully known in every way and yet unconditionally loved, not just by God, but everybody else. No secrets, no hiding, no isolation, no insecurities, no, no comparison, no more loss or fear or pain or stress or sleepless nights, no more abuse or racism or injustice, just harmony and completion and fullness and the rest of forever to get to that bucket list. Church, you have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to, and that is the ultimate freedom I want you to experience today. Not just information that makes you smarter, but a revelation you receive from heaven that transforms and shifts something on the inside of you that makes you look at the rest of forever and live today different because of that. You have everything to anticipate in the here and now. Can you believe we get to live in such an amazing place knowing it'll be the worst place we are for the rest of forever? What if you, here's my question, what if instead of fearing eternity, you made friends with it? I think your outcome would be two different things. And I'll give you these two points and then we'll worship. Number one, I think you would have less fear and more excitement. Less fear and more excitement. So the Apostle Paul, golden boy of the New Testament, he understood this better than anybody else, did he not? What's that famous coffee cup verse? To live is Christ and to die is, is gain. You ever actually thought about that verse? 
to die is gain? Like, are you serious, Paul? Because then he goes on to say, hey, man, it's, it's better to get out of here. I love you guys, better to depart. <laughs> like, my life, my family, my calling is about the kingdom. <laughs> when my time's up, I'm going home, right? If you go read Philippians, he's like in this internal battle with himself where he doesn't know where he wants to be. He's like, I'm supposed to be here and I'm called here. Oh, but I, I just wanna die so bad and go be with Jesus. Oh, but to be here is, is fruitful labor. It's good for me to be here. Oh, but dying in heaven would be so, I mean, this, is, this kind of vantage point made you absolutely untouchable in every way. Is this not the ultimate freedom? Paul has made complete best friends with the idea of forever and eternity. And it's made him the freest person to walk this planet other than Jesus. So he'd get arrested and they'd say, hey, Paul, we're gonna kill you. And he'd go, oh, to die is gain. Nice, man. <laughs> what? All right, we'll let you live. Oh, to live is Christ, right on. <laughs> I mean, if you hated the gospel, how frustrating was this guy? All right, fine, we'll torture you. Oh, more persecution, more blessings in heaven. Right on, good call, guys. Well, fine, it's, it's, it's the dungeons then, Paul. It's prison for you, okay? As long as you don't mind if I worship while I'm down there and convert every single one of your guards because for me, to live is Christ and to die truly is gain. He was untouchable, completely free, and with that kind of eternal mindset, you have less fear and more excitement. Matt Chandler once said, when I die, don't cry for me. I'll be home. He beautifully lays out so much of this eternal perspective. So does D.L. Moody, who said, when I breathe my last, don't pity me, for in that moment I will be more alive than I have ever been. You think of Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, who was dead for four days until Jesus showed up and told him to stop being dead? <laughs> Knock it off with this whole dead thing, Lazarus. Come on out. For Lazarus, for the rest of his life, you think anything scared that guy? Like for the rest of his life, Lazarus will kill you. Oh, death? Yeah, been there, done that. It's actually kind of awesome, right? I mean, this is, guys, heaven is not just a coping mechanism to help you deal with losing loved ones, nor is it the, like an ethereal, eternal crutch to make us feel better about how fast and fragile and fleeting life is. It is so real. It is closer than you know, and it is more familiar than you think. And the revelation I want from you today is holy anticipation. What if I could look forward with eagerness? I'm telling you, the more you dwell on eternity, like Lewis said, the more effective you will become in this life. Your fear goes down and your excitement goes up, amen? And number two, less apathy and more urgency. I'll say it this way. Eternal perspective, Christians don't get bored. Um, so this is where I stood when I found that out. This is January 3rd of 2008 at the Summit Park Emergency Center in Breckenridge, and... Um, it was actually the last day I went snowboarding. Um, I'm not afraid. I just uh, kind of just lost interest and took up surfing. Not cloud break, not yet. Um, but uh, an, uh, an hour before that, I was with my best friend Colin, and we were racing down one of the back bowls in Breckenridge. And 
man, we were just going so fast. And um, he was right in front of me, right in front of me. And we came up on this lip. And right over this lip, there was this blind spot. And as soon as Colin got to the very top of the lip, I could tell something was wrong. And uh, there was a girl who was stuck in that blind spot. She had just torn her ACL and couldn't move. So Colin, at the very last second, sees her. And to save her life, he, he crashes. And um, he wiped out to the right. And I wiped out to the left. And Colin uh, went headfirst into a tree. And... Um, like I went over there and he was unconscious and I didn't know what to do. And so I just, I ran out into the middle of the slope and hadn't seen anybody for 10 minutes. I mean, there was nobody. All of a sudden, like one skier is coming down. So I wave him and I flag him over and he comes over and um, it turns out he was an ER doctor. <laughs> and uh, long story short, fast forward an hour and I was standing right there um, watching my buddy get flight for life to a hospital in Denver. And uh, I stood there with the chaplain who in a very gracious way that I appreciated was honest with me and put his arm around me and he said, hey man, uh, you need to know um, when they say this is bad, there's a real chance uh, your buddy's not gonna make it through this flight. And... Um, he said, but we can pray. And so we prayed. And, um, and then he, he asked me one question, and I'll never forget it. He said, um, he said, who is Jesus to you? And uh, one of the worst moments of my life became one of the most defining moments of my life, too. Because for me, I've known my entire life, this whole God thing is real. I just didn't live like it or act like it and I ignored it and I just kinda lived like, oh, well, one day I'll, I'll deal with that. But that afternoon, um, Colin came um, face to face with eternity. He stood on the brink of eternity, that one breath of space that we all get between the red tape and the white rope. But in reality, all of us stand on the brink of eternity at every single moment. And that, uh, that helicopter pad is my vantage point of eternity. That all of us are living forever somewhere. The only question is where. Um, so Colin, uh, he made it. He was in a coma for two months and uh, suffers from brain damage and his personality is different, but he's alive. And Colin has changed my sense of passion and urgency about this life and what a gift it is and how short it can be and how, as weird as it sounds, sobering up to that reality can be such a gift because you never know when your time is up and you never know when Jesus is coming back. And that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation and don't wait. And in 2015, I was preaching at uh, the Red Rocks Young Adults meetup event at Clement Park. And I 
I texted Colin and I said, hey man, um, I'm telling your Breckenridge story, which you don't remember. If you wanna come hear it, um, I'd love if you came, would you come? And I've been praying for it for months, you know? And he showed up and he sat on the left side about like five rows up and on that evening in Clement Park with a beautiful sunset, Colin gave his life to Jesus. And on new earth, I promise you for the rest of eternity, he won't have brain damage. Church, what does an eternal perspective lead to? It leads to less apathy and more urgency. That eternal perspective, Christians don't get bored. Charles Spurgeon once said, how precious must a human soul be if both God and the devil are after it? You wanna hear a crazy stat? In the United States, the mortality rate is 100% right now, 100%. John Foreman has some lyrics in the Switchfoot song where he says, this current skin and bones, this is just a rental and nobody makes it out of this thing alive, which means, you guys, it is absolutely crazy and a privilege that we get to do what we're doing right now, building the local church that is God's plan A to reach the world that's full of people who don't yet know who Jesus is. What an honor that should lead to so much passion about every single breath that we get as a gift from the one who gave it until he requires it back from us. Every day I will make count less apathy and more urgency. The more you think about the next life, the more effective you will start to live right here. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, I'm finishing right here. We fix our eyes, I'm sorry, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but on what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes not on what is seen and temporary, but on what is unseen and what is eternal. We choose on purpose to live today with forever in mind. And when you start doing that, you will start to see today through a whole different vantage point. You'll start to see life different in light of eternity, including, by the way, even trials and tribulation and, and persecution and pain and storms and valleys right now. You start to see it different. With an eternal perspective, pain is still painful, absolutely, but it's not pointless because with that kind of perspective, you can see in its entirety that God really does keep to his promise of taking whatever the enemy meant for evil and flipping it around on its head and using it somehow for good, that somehow God gives even our pain some purpose and even the messiness of our lives some meaning and making you more mature and complete and full for the rest of forever, there is an eternal glory, if you can believe it, that far outweighs anything and everything you could ever possibly go through in the here and now. With that kind of vantage point, generosity and sacrifice begin to become our privilege, do they not? 
Like when we eagerly, eagerly look ahead to, to heaven, everything that you have in this life, your time, your talent, and your treasure, it all starts to become just house money. It's all house money, which means we don't have to. No, 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 we get to. I get to give in this life freely knowing I'll reap it a hundredfold in the age to come. I get to sacrifice right now. I get to live in holy anticipation of the new heaven and the new earth that is waiting for me. That's the kind of perspective, by the way, that makes you completely untouchable, just like Paul. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That vantage point, in my opinion, is the closest thing there is to being invincible. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And so take heart in Christian, do not waste your life and the years and seasons and breaths that you have. And don't you dare live today in this life as if the purpose of it is just to arrive safely at death one day. Don't you pray small and don't you play small. Don't you risk small. Get your expectations and your hope and your faith up, focused and fixed towards heaven because death is not the end and our hope is not in this world or in this life. It is one, it is in the one who has overcome the world, the one who promises to make all things new for the rest of forever, amen. Red Rocks, will you stand up? Hey, can we do this? Every location, bow your heads, close your eyes, just to create a moment for you and God. I wanna talk about you. I wanna talk about your rope, your timeline, your existence, your eternity. I wanna ask you the same question the Breckenridge chaplain asked me back in 2008. Who is Jesus to you? Every person has to answer that at some point. It is the most important question you will ever be asked. So who is Jesus to you? I think back to Jesus on the cross with the criminal next to him. And Jesus said, today, today you will be with me in paradise. And notice he didn't ask him for a resume. <laughs> and there was no religion exchanged. It was simply pure relationship. There was no contribution he made, just a confession about who Jesus was to him. And so right here and right now, wherever you are, this is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Do not wait. Do not wait. I want to ask you right now, wherever you are, it's just you and God. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior... <laughs> and know for the rest of your life where you're going one day after you take your last breath and be invited into to life to the fullest in the here and now and give him your sins and receive his forgiveness, would you just boldly and bravely raise your hand right now? This is just an external expression that seems to solidify an internal decision. Come on, raise your hand if that's you so I can pray for you. Let's go. At every location, raise your hand. Okay. Hey, Red Rocks, everybody, you can open your eyes. Let's make some noise. Let's celebrate right now. Heaven just got a lot more crowded. And I just never gets old. Um, congratulations. 
can text Red Rocks to 25827 and we'll send you any resources and next steps that you need. Red Rocks to 25827. Hey, my hope for all of us as we worship right now is that you would fix your eyes on what is unseen and on what is eternal. And my prayer is that it would start to loosen your grip on what is seen and what is temporary. And as you do that, I've been praying that you'd feel your soul come alive and your heart wake up just a little bit, that as you praise him with truth, that anxiety and apathy would have to evaporate and evacuate in Jesus' name. And in that empty space would enter passion and anticipation and excitement for what we have waiting for us in eternity because we have nothing, and I mean nothing to fear, church, nothing to fear and everything to look forward to. That is ultimate freedom. That's what that vantage point is called. It's called freedom. It's called being untouchable. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And so let's worship with forever in mind because no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind can even comprehend what is awaiting for those who love him. Do you believe that? If you believe that one more time, make some noise, lift up a shout of praise. And let's join in with all of our locations and a million angels and echo, holy is the Lord. Somebody said, amen, let's worship.